Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hey Ron, welcome back to episode 31 of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by myself, Sam, and my co-host, Chris. How have you been, Chris? Well, pretty good. Good evening, Sam. It's swelteringly hot here, where it, where we yep, are. Yep, yep. I, uh, uh, yep, got the AC going. So uh, my wife has an electric car, and uh, she she came home, and, and I in the back of our house, I hear this humming noise. And I'm like, what's what's that humming noise? And uh, she plugged in her electric car. We had our AC on, and we have our solar panels making about three thousand uh, watts of electricity. And so I looked, and I had I have one of those uh, energy monitors, and I had close to fifteen thousand watts of electricity running through a panel behind my wall. <laughs> and I wow. was like, "Oh, okay, it's it's warm out, and we are using some electricity today." <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It, it? I think a myth, certainly, when I moved to California, or certainly this part of California, back that's coastal, is the myth is that it's swelteringly hot all the time. Now, it's definitely yeah. sunny all the time, but yes. it's not extremely hot. Like, in fact, not right. that often is it no, yeah. punishing yeah. like this. Yeah. I, uh, from, I'm an East Coast transplant and been out here for uh, more than 15 years now. And even now, there are days that, we'll, that uh, my wife and I will like, we'll walk outside and just sort of joke like, oh, it's nice out. Like you're definitely paying for the weather down here, so it's uh, yeah. it's like more often than not, it's just nice here all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I joke about Manchester how it rained a lot of the time, and it really did uh, rain a lot right. of the time. But anyway, we're uh, we, we, it's not casual uh, casual weather talk. <laughs> casual weather talk. <laughs> That's yeah. our new branch yeah. off. Uh, we'll, we'll turn it back around to watches, of course. We always like to start off with our watch obsessions. So. Chris, I'd love you to kick it off. What have you been obsessed about or checking out this week? Uh, so I've got I've got two. Um, one is a is a. All right, keep this keep this quiet. Nobody say anything. It's a watch for my wife. Oh, a it's secret. a present. Yeah, secret. Uh, I'm not going to give too much details, but um, uh, no, screw it. I'll I'll give it out. German made. So, uh, Stova. Okay. All right. Uh, they make a line of new modern um, Bauhaus style with the Arabic numerals. And it's designed by the same guy who uh, did all the Macintosh, um, the early Apple designs. It's Not the Johnny same Ives, no. Uh, no, but uh, it's the guy that did the, uh, the 2C and the SE30 and some of the, some of the original... Uh, Apple designs. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, I went, went back and forth. There's three sizes. 35. So this is this is the, the dilemma here. 35 manual wound. 36 automatic with, with a date. 39 uh, no date. 
central uh, or uh, no, what is it? Uh, sub sub seconds. Wait, no, that's not right. Only the first. Anyway, anyway, okay. So then it was like a choice between eighteen millimeters and twenty millimeters, and I wanted I wanted to get twenty millimeter, but because like she could have so many straps, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, this is like this is like a purchasing problem for just super watch nerds. Uh, but then I was like, oh, but it's gonna be too big, and so like it doesn't have a it doesn't have a bezel on it or anything. It's like it's just the it's just like it looks very similar to like a, the Timex Weekender. Okay, it's um, and I'll give you the I'll give you the let me pull up the uh, the actual uh, model here. Stove is definitely a brand that I've not really looked at fully. I am, expect them to be the the Flieger watches, obviously, they're known for the simple military style watches, but I've never seriously looked at them to buy a watch, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, they've got um, they've got this line called the Antia, and um, that's and it's and it's one of their their smaller ones, and they've they've got some other stuff that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, definitely, definitely check them out. I mean, they, they're, they've been around for a long time and like 1936 or something, I think something like that. Um, and yeah, ma- I mean, manufacturing their Flieger watches for sure. Uh, they, ma- they do a, they do a three-hander that looks, uh, very similar to like a Damasco or a Zinn. Um, so very like German style, but, uh, yeah, they do this Antia called Back to Bauhaus. And they do it in in colors, fun colors, and yeah, it just really like struck me. I was like, oh, this is something. This is something perfect. And so, uh, because it's because it's third. So this. So the final decision was between the thirty six and the thirty nine, thirty six and a half and thirty nine. And it really came down to the fact that if it doesn't have a bezel, like a thirty nine millimeter watch without a bezel, that's a that's a big looking watch. You know what I mean? Like you 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 take like a Bambino. Like you put just a forty mil, forty millimeter Bambino, and like you have a woman wear that. That's gonna look, that's gonna look like one of those giant, you know, you know, fashion watch kind of size. And and I know that wasn't, you know, it's like ah, hemmed and hot. Uh, so finally settled with the thirty six. What's interesting is they emailed me back after I ordered it, and they were like, uh, "What size is your wrist?" So that we can size the strap. It was very opposite to what i have would have expected for like a u.s uh e-commerce interaction where basically you know i just i like i clicked buy and i just want it to magically show up and then they just sent me an email with this like this personal service so it was nice it was nice but at the same time i was a little like right are you gonna send it and then they told me that they were gonna be like on on holiday at the end of august and that they wanted to get this out before then and i was like okay that's great i'd appreciate really it nice that. <laughs> right yeah exactly it's kind of like yeah, uh, it's very, you know, very, like, European-German of them, Missouri. <laughs> so, so you said so, you had yeah. another one as well. I do, I do. This is a kind of a side, this is a B, a B mention, a side mention. And I, I think it's good enough to, to mention, but uh, I was looking at other brands like Stova that are sort of under the radar that really deserve a, 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 a closer look because I think they offer that great value where they're where they've got upgraded movements and super accurate and sapphire you know they're 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 checking they're checking all the boxes that uh you know i think a lot of micro brands are doing now but also i think they've sort of always been doing this i came across this 
uh, Certina. Certina has a DS Action GMT. Right. That's, uh, it is on sale on a particular, well, it's on Joma Shop, so it's on our favorite gray market. <laughs> and it is on sale for $595. Yeah. Mechanical GMT. And it's the, and it's the Certina, it's the, um, it's based on the Powermatic 80. So it's got an 80-hour power reserve. GMT looks pretty good. It's uh it's not a bezel. It's it's got the um it's basically got a chapter ring for the 24 hours and you can't, you know, so you can't track three time zones by turning the yep. turning the bezel. It's got a fixed fixed uh bezel insert uh and no and no bezel on it. So it's on the chapter ring. I'm sorry. I'm saying that wrong. It's got a fixed chapter ring <laughs> uh and it doesn't have a bezel on it. But Really cool, uh, yeah. Sort of like second second mention, uh, DS Action GMT automatic. Uh, check that out if you are at all interested in a great looking, you know, great looking sports watch. This GMT travel watch. I mean, for that money, uh, I'm super. I was like, I was like, hmm, hmm, that seems reasonable. <laughs> I've been holding holding fast on my uh, no buying watches online, so I haven't been really <laughs> obsessing over one. I'm expecting any time now for my walbrook skin diver to come from nice kickstarter they've started shipping them out now a few people have received them i'm really looking forward to that the design looks awesome for me um and i'm just really interested to see it's been a long time they they had delays with covid we spoke about it on a couple of the episodes this is anyone who's not heard any of those previous ones this is a brand that was spun up from a French company, I believe, and it was because Neil Armstrong really wore one of these watches. Like his personal watch was this Warbrook watch, not the obviously the Speedmasters. They had to. We've talked about this before, but they had to give those back to the U.S. government, and Buzz right. Aldrin's was forever lost mm. in the post. <laughs> uh, which, uh, incidentally, is like the Holy Grail, like the Paul Newman, isn't it? If they ever found that oh, right. Speedmaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if they could ever, like, identify it as... I mean, they, I think they... Yeah, I think they know what serial number and everything it is, so... Be yeah. unbelievable, that. Can you imagine <laughs> if the, if the Paul yeah. Newman got 17 million to actually have Buzz Aldrin's the first man to walk... Uh, well, the second man to walk on the moon, but mm-hmm. the first one to walk on with a with an Omega. Right, right. The first watch, right? on The, the very first watch on the moon. I yeah. mean, it'd be incredible, wouldn't it? But, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. So I've been holding fast, but I've been really enjoying this Breitling B1. It's an Annie Digi watch, and I, I may I uploaded a, a video to the channel where I've replaced the battery on it, and I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be a bit boring, but a lot of people really liked it. I think oh, good. That's good. <laughs> it's I'm glad like a how-to, how-to video, but I, I'm loving this watch. There's, I don't know why I never looked at it. Again, it's from 1997. It's Annie Digi watch. It never came on my radar before, but there's just something really cool about it. The dial's awesome. It's got a, it's got the measurement bezel or the uh, the scale bezel, but right. It's got a really smooth action. So I've become a new convert to Breitling for some reason. Yeah, I've yeah, been enjoying yeah. it a lot. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's definitely like you. Um... You you started rocky there where you weren't you weren't sure what what was going to happen with all of it and then I'm glad that I'm glad that you you're enjoying it. So yeah, I ended cool. up buying two, didn't I? But maybe that's a topic for another story. But um, <laughs> so right. depending on how successful I am at editing this podcast and getting it out, Chris mm. and I are doing a live a chat with members of the Casual Watch Talk Facebook group. 
Mm. Either mm-hmm. either it's going to happen soon or Chris and I did it that everyone saw what we were really like and they've left the Facebook group. Right, yeah, What exactly. were those two <laughs> options? <laughs> exactly, close-up shop. Uh, yeah, it's, it was either a fantastic success or um, uh, yeah, we'll never do it again. No, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be fine. And yeah, if you if you can if you do get it out uh, before uh, before this Sunday, then then maybe. But uh, if not, if it's past that, then I'm sure we had a good time and and we will uh, we will contemplate having a, a future one for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm def- I definitely think there's more live streams for the, on the channel and stuff like that that we'll definitely be doing i know that people are really enjoying those i watched quite an interesting one from adrian at bark and jack and what was interesting is he's more conversational i've always been worried about live streams because i'm like well what am i going to talk about and he was talking about watches whilst he was in a field somewhere in scotland and also talking about bats and stuff like that so it was like a stream of consciousness and i thought right, oh, I, can, right. I can definitely do that yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah, um, yeah no, it was. Uh, it was. It, we had uh, we had one of our members go to a uh, go to a, an event, um, and it was all socially distanced with with you know masks and everything, and, and trying to be as safe as possible. But but uh, it didn't uh, it didn't it didn't hit, and so I uh, I I offered up maybe uh, you know for those of us who who can't get out and are not going to get out and 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 do face to face, maybe we can do the next best thing where we can kind of uh hang out and and do like a round table discussion so we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes yeah definitely yeah definitely uh looking forward to that one okay so we we like to kick these things off with news stories it's been a bit light on the news story one of them though i'm going to talk about the we talked about the hodinky travel clock and if you've not seen this this is the latest kind of drama in the watch industry or the mm-hmm. watch watch world i would say so uh, I'm going to talk a bit about that, but just to start with, Chris, you noticed this one. Federico did a video on whether Tudor were going to start selling their in-house movements. I yeah. not. I don't know whether we know any more than that, do we? Did you Did you get a flavour for where where he got this story from? I mean, it's is interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure where he picked it up, but he was. Uh, yeah, he was reporting that uh, that. Well, uh, so in the past. Uh, Tudor and Breitling, as a matter of fact, have swapped movements um, where where Breitling provided a chronograph movement to Tudor and Tudor provided their their uh, one of their Cosk certified movements for for Breitling stuff because all because all Breitling now is Cosk, I believe. Um, and then the company that manufactures and let me get this right, uh, that manufactures Tudor movements I mean, Breitling really—they were pioneers as well. I mean, that caliber twelve that we talked about, and those original Hoyer Monaco's before they formed Tag. I mean, that was that was a a, a movement that was designed with Breitling and Hoyer and Hamilton Buren and uh, Dubois Dubois—that name I can mm-hmm. never say. I need to do a history of Breitling because it's fascinating, going right back to uh, well, the Second World War. They were pivotal; those Navy timers were used by the Allied forces, even though Breitling himself was, I think, German, but he would fly the watches over to the Allied forces. I need to do mm. a proper history on it. Yeah, yeah, unpack that, yeah. Um, yeah, so Tudor's movement maker, Kinesi, they're looking to offer, you know, their movements for other watches. So it'll be sort of uh, interesting that over at least the last five years, we've sort of elevated to the, to the, to the nth degree of in-house movements and for those of you maybe first time collectors or first time you know watch enthusiasts or just starting out in the in the collection and the hobby um 
in-house movement is a checkbox that luxury brands, I think, wanted to fill over the last maybe five years. And I think I think people got a little too pretentious with it, where, you know, where if you were just a if you were just a regular luxury watchmaker and you just had a regular ETA made for you, then you know it wasn't you weren't really serious about being a luxury you know watch manufacturer. This kind of it's kind of pretentious nature to it, and we've kind of talked about it before on the on the show. I feel that it really is sort of a business decision where you just control whether you're Rolex, whether you're Apple computer, whether you're Amazon, you like, you want to, con- you want to control the channel. Yeah. <laughs> you want to control your, like, you want to, you want to own who makes your hair springs. You want to own and control who, who makes every single part, you know, that, that integration, that channel, um, integration of like every single part. So it's more of a business decision, but they kind of spun it as a marketing decision. Anyway, I think for the last like five years, I think we've hit like peak, you know, in-house movement and now it seems like we're we're turning around where now we have these manufacturing you know tutors movement maker kinesi is turning around and saying like hey we're gonna make we're gonna make movements for other watches and and i think they'll they'll sort of take a little bit of the prestige you know hey we make movements for tutor so are they good enough for your luxury watch brand kind of thing yeah that's that's a fascinating one this next is a follow-up from the Houdinki story if anybody's not familiar with it, Hodinkee teased a new limited edition something on their on their website. And I think this is what kind of got people's back up. And then when they released it, it was a travel clock. And if if anybody's not heard of it, this travel clock was limited to 96. And they wanted nearly $6,000 for this travel clock. Now, they got a visceral reaction from the watch collecting mm-hmm. community. I mean, they still sold them all. Because oh, yeah. people yeah, they were, were <laughs> they still sold them all, but yeah, yeah. they 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 got such a visceral reaction that they posted a reply on their website. Did you read this, Chris? I, I did, and I would, yeah, almost a rebuke. Like it was a reply, but I I would almost say a rebuke because you know two. I mean, I I pulled away like two things out of that. I'm sure you you had a couple. From oh, absolutely. That particular. <laughs> well, I what I did, Chris, was. At the end of the article, it says, please email us. And I started crafting an email to, I'm going to murder his name, but it might be Onru or the guy mm-hmm. who wrote the article. And I, th- I thought about message, um, emailing it over, but I-, I might as well just read it out on here because this was my thoughts on this clock. Mm-hmm. I might as well read it out on here. It's more like an open letter to Hodinky and then see mm-hmm. what you think. Okay. It starts off with... Um, you know, hate on Rue or the Houdinki team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to email you regarding your article on the eight day clock, blah, blah, blah. And then I just put, uh, you know, just be honest, you know, just be honest. I'm a watch content creator and I did cover the subject on a recent podcast. Mm-hmm. So I said to them, th- so the main crux of it, I said, for me, this symbolizes the reason that I dread Houdinki now doing releases of watches. Every ro- watch release has almost become a meme now on watch forums. I think you're talking the talk about wanting to be accessible to watch fans, but your actions speak far louder. You've created Mm. false scarcity on your limited edition watches that I feel is doing more harm to the watch collecting community than good. One example that comes to mind, other than the now infamous Blue Seiko Alpinist, is the Oris 65 you made. Mm. 
Hodinkee made probably the best version of that watch that has ever been made. A stunning grey bezel. The right. dial was spectacular. The price was high, of course, but not excessive. The problem, you made them limited edition. Just like the majority of other watches you co-brand, that meant that genuine fans, like myself, ended up being held to ransom by watch flippers. I have no data on this, but I imagine 90% of the people buying these limited edition watches are watch flippers. It certainly feels like that anyway. Mm -hmm. I imagine the argument is, we bulk order these, it's a risk. There is no way that Oris wouldn't make that watch again if you came knocking, or even regularly make them for you. It's Mm -hmm. a quick cash grab with no thought put into how it damages your own brand and feeds the viper's nest of watch flippers, in my view. Hmm. And then the final paragraph I put, I can understand limited edition Omega watches. This is a high-valued watch to take a gamble on a specific variant of. But when you start taking everyday watches like the Oris 65 or the Seiko Alpinist and making these limited edition, you are crossing a major line for me. You're taking an everyday watch and making it elitist. Your eight-day clock was the prime example of that thinking. The Jaeger Kultra clock this is based on, in mint condition, can easily be found less, for less than $1,000 on eBay. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the pinnacle of what can we possibly get away with this time. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't look at it and think, wow, they've really taken watch watchmaking than the travel clock to the next level don't take my word for it read any forum post on that clock over the last week the defenders seem to be saying things like well they can charge what they like and people will buy it if that if that's what you want to be known for then that's a real shame for the community mm-hmm. and i put mm-hmm. if your mantra if your mantra is to if your mantra is to serve every watch collector then do that i right. see the clocks are now sold out so that my subject is probably a moot point, just my opinion mm-hmm. for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, interesting. interesting. Yeah, and and Sam, I think you, you're at your <laughs> you uh, you nailed it. Like you nailed the you know they they are damaging. They're damaging. You know they have damaged their sort of reputation here because my take was uh, and and this falls under what I was saying about the rebuke. You know, they said, well, well, you know, we we offered that uh, limited edition uh, flick flack watch and that and that system 51 for one hundred and fifty dollars. And I was like, oh, you guys, it's ridiculous. I was like, that I was, was like, the worst thing they said that that proved how elitist they are. They're like, oh, for the peasants, we made this swatch watch. Right, right. I mean, they I can think of a hundred ways like that they could have, you know, from just from my sales and marketing background, like I can think of a hundred ways they could have done it better. And I mean. I I even offered up so my comment in in our uh, casual watch talk was they could have done like a hundred and fifty dollar quartz version that like looked just about the same but like didn't have gold inlay or something you know just make it make it almost the same right uh, but you know if you're really a connoisseur we have these like limited ones but you know but we don't you you don't even need to worry about like how to get those you know this sort of thing like like we're just going to like focus on this one thing but. But no, it was, it was just about this, this you know, this limited edition. How much can we charge? And um, you know, they, they, they came back and said, "Oh, you know, we began as a place for people to learn about and begin collecting watches, and it's important that we offer products that that make that accessible to more people." And then, and then 
my my response was you then roll a YouTube video with like 57 of the most rare Rolex Submariners on the earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, let's see the, let's see the G-Shock collection. Let's see the Casio collection. Let's see the Swatch collection. Let's see the Omega uh, Speedmaster collection, you know, and let's, uh, let's, let's see the reasonable, you know, the old divers and, you know, some other stuff. Um, did you see the video about the restored tutor they just did? Awesome. Awesome. I know. Incredible. I I loved it. Yeah. I this, was like... You, well, you might as well explain what the premise of the video is because it's fascinating. Oh, it really was. So, um, so gentlemen in um, uh, Vietnam, right? Was it yep, Vietnam, Vietnam or Korea? Yeah. Okay, it's Vietnam. Gentlemen in Vietnam uh basically uh shot shot at was you know was injured had the the bullet stopped the watch stopped the bullet and saved his life and so i don't don't remember like if he had his arm up or it was in his pocket or something but like the side of the case like basically you can see where a bullet ricocheted off the side of the lugs of this case and the you know the crystal popped out and just the, the and his buddy who like picked him up and put him on a helicopter to save his life kept a hold of this watch and 20 30 something years later um they got back together and so he, he and he was like I have this I have this watch and so they uh Hariki covered that when they like got back together and like the return of that watch to the owner was just amazing. Um, and then Tudor stepped in and said, you know, we, we want to make, we want to make this work again. And so they did a full, a full restoration and they did it in a way that they kept the integrity of the case. And so they had to cold form stainless steel. So fascinating. Ex- de- absolutely. Super fascinating. Definitely check it out. But, but there's the there's the conundrum. There's the like fifty fifty where you're like you make this stuff and it's amazing. And then meanwhile, you this pretentious, overly pretentious hipster crap that you're just like, oh well it's five thousand dollars and you know. It, it's amazing, isn't it? It seems like they're almost you've got like the editorial piece. I mean, and Ian this guy even mentioned that the the shop part is different than than the other thing um oh he did than the other oh, that's right yeah yeah but it's it's a real it's a real shame i mean this is going to blow over but there'll be other yeah, limited yeah. edition watches i mean they'll 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 make another gorgeous oris and it'll sell out in seconds and this isn't sour grapes from my point of view because for me limited edition watches i, I think they're acceptable under like a handful of cases one is maybe it's using a rare material mm-hmm. omega with its moon dust Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a Kickstarter watch or it's a new watch that is trying something different and they don't yet know what the market is. So the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. they don't know what the market is. It's limited right, edition right. because they yeah. don't know. Or maybe it's a, a new type of movement or something along those lines that it's, yep. hey, we're making this new type. Like the um, Ulysses Nadan, the, that new rotor that they designed a couple of years ago. Hey, it's limited right. edition. We don't know how it's going to perform. We love it, but you will see. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. They came out when they said, like, we don't, like, yeah, this is a brand new movement. We've tested it a bunch, but, like, we're we're concerned of the longevity of it. We want to make sure that this lasts forever kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But where I don't, where I, I don't accept limited editions are, where they're everyday watches, Omega's prime for this. So you could say, oh, Omega, 
well, they're, they're commemorating the 50th anniversary uh, date. Uh, so they're, obviously there's only a limited edition because it's the 50th anniversary Moonwatch. No, they have, you can buy an Olympic watch from Rio. They still mm-hmm. sell that model. Like they, yeah. that was a date in time that they, they mm-hmm. still make it from. It, there's mm-hmm. no special limited edition or, or anything like that or anything that Hodinkee does where, well, mm-hmm. we made this design. Well, all they're doing is they want that cash straight away. Mm-hmm. They want it. Right. They want that return on their investment straight away. They don't want to have it as a regular model. They want to create like this false scarcity. There's nothing. There's no way that if if Oris made them a thousand dials, there's no way Oris couldn't make them ten thousand dials oh, or yeah, right. hundred thousand yeah. dials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's this short term. No, we've got to get it right. now. We've got to get the right. money now. Yeah, yeah. I and it, it really. I think it's. I think it's false scarcity. I think that's. It really just comes down to false scarcity, and you just and it's. Uh, and the other thing with the, with the micro brands is which you absolutely, like, I have absolutely no problem if a micro brand says, you know, we're only going to make 500 of these, but listen, if like, if these sell out, then absolutely we'll go back and make another edition, you know, or we'll make another run of them, you know? So it's like limited run versus limited edition. hundred percent. It's like, like your micro brews or whatever that you're into. Small breweries like we're going to try this chocolate beer. We're yeah. we're going to actually make it a limited run because we don't know how good it'll be. But imagine if Coors turned around and said we're making a limited edition beer. People are like come on, like you're one of the biggest Anheuser Busch, you're the biggest brew, one of the biggest breweries in the world. Like we're not fighting that. Uh, it's a golden, it's a golden bottle six pack, and it's only available for three days in September. Yeah, no, I, I, you're absolutely, and it would, and everybody. Hey, it's Chris from the Casual Watch Talk podcast. As our longtime listeners know, we often talk about cars here on the pod, and that's no coincidence. Like a lot of mechanical watch lovers, we're both into cars and racing. A couple years ago, I curated a collection of automotive-inspired straps and started the Camping Auto Club. Camping Auto Club watch straps celebrate the rich history of automotive liveries with their inspired colors. Available in a single-pass NATO, two-piece, and our new super-comfy elastic NATO. Check out Campionato Club on the web. That's championship in Italian, C-A-M-P-I-O-N-A-T-O dot club. You'd be like, what the hell is this? Exactly. It's so funny, <laughs> isn't it? But I know this yeah, happens in... Yeah. It's not just... It's, unfortunately, it's not just uh, in watch you know watch communities is it it's it's across the broad spectrum we talked about the knife community and things like that yeah yeah exactly that right that 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 false scarcity that you're just like guys like are we running out of stainless steel do we not have enough (laughs) okay well before we uh dive into our main topic which is another one that i'm really looking forward to uh talking about because i know it certainly affects me but we'll keep it a little secret before our uh, ad break so we'll just pause for a very quick ad break hey everyone welcome back to casual watch talk this is this it might be a bit uncomfortable to talk about this subject i think and certainly <laughs> i'm sure this has probably happened to the majority of watch collectors what would you say chris you think all all watch collectors have had this at one time yeah. or another yeah i think yeah if you're if you're into the hobby for for maybe you're more than 3 watches and for more than a year this is this has probably been here <laughs> probably probably happened <laughs> and it mo- it's definitely been compounded by i would imagine covid and staying at home and only being able to gonna, shop online yeah, i was just yep i was just gonna mention that absolutely yeah so do you want to you want to kick it off seeing as it was it was your idea it's sure. a, it was a good one sure so great article over at warren and wound um and it's, it's entitled we've all been there and it's the you have the excitement of getting your new watch and it gets delivered to you and you rip open the packaging 
and it just doesn't live up to your expectations. And it's not necessarily the brand's fault and the the the, the boxes are checked, the the you know the the pictures you saw was certainly were fine but it but it you just don't you don't connect with it and it's just not you and you look at it and you're like well maybe i'll put another strap on it i've got lots of straps so i'll go and do that and you put it on a different strap and you're like yeah and also like you didn't take the sticker off the back of it and like you yeah. didn't completely and you can and you didn't you didn't completely like get rid of all the like packaging and and already that like should have told you that like you're in trouble. So pretty uh, pretty interesting article. That's what we're gonna chat about. And uh, it has a lot of uh, a lot of men looking forlorn in the distance. And I feel I feel they did it sort of tongue in cheek, but uh, but uh, pretty uh, pretty funny because you just you know you get you get you have these expectations and then you're you're met with it and you're like ah oh, disappointment. I agree. This has happened to me two very notable times where straight off I've been like, oh, no, that's mm-hmm. that's not not for me. And then I think I suffer from this. I don't know if you do, Chris, but where you get it and you're like, oh, that's OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like a, a few little things. And like an annoying roommate, those things start compounding over time. Right. And then you're just like, right. I hate you after like right. three weeks. Yeah. You like it at the start. So but you're going to do the dishes? Because um, you, you need to do the dishes. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, you're like oh, that's one thing. You're like, God damn it, man. I <laughs> know, uh, it's hilarious. But I, yeah. I, I'll kick it off with, with the first time this ever ever happened to me, maybe. Well, the, the, first, t- the first time most notably was I was obsessed mm-hmm. with Fortis watches. Um, I, I loved the Roscosmos link. And Joma Shop had the titanium... The the uh, Roscosmos one, the classic, uh, the cos not the classic, the Cosmonautis one, the B forty two, and they had it in the chronograph, and then they had it in just like a three hander. Now I was this was when I was first getting into watches. The three hander mm-hmm. was like six hundred dollars, and I was like, wow, that's that's really expensive. And then the chronograph was twelve hundred dollars, which now they're much more expensive than that. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I bought the three hander, and when I got it, it was. It was huge. The dial didn't have a lot of printing on it, and the dial looked like this is the dial for a chronograph. Lots of gaps on it, and just straight away, I was just, I just did not like it. And I tried to, I did what you said. I swatched, what swapped the strap on it, but I was not, right. not feeling yeah. it. Yeah, I like the look of the Speedmaster, but the reason why I probably will never own one is because everyone owns one, and that's. That's a weird collecting thing with me, and it's very much like, um, I don't know, I think it's like, I could compare this to like most of a lot of other things in my life. Like, I'm I'm definitely the person that is interested in like the cars that not everyone has. Yep. Great. It's a great watch. It's pr- prestigious. I mean, fantastic, et cetera, et cetera. It's got all that. But that it just never hit for me. And then sort of the fact that like, everybody's driving around in that same car then you kind of you kind of feed that that feedback loop starts to happen and you're like i don't know if i want the same you know it's like yeah. everybody's got everybody's got that toyota and you're like do i am i the guy with that toyota do, <laughs> you know like but everybody has one and it's just it's just kind of something i've done and so i was obsessing about speedmasters but again this is like this is early early when i was getting involved with watches and i was not going to plunk down 
the cash for a Speedmaster. And same thing with your Fortis. I guess I probably should because maybe I would have beat the market <laughs> at the time. This is like four or five years ago. Um, and I settled on almost a lookalike. If you've seen the, um, there's a Citizen EcoDrive chronograph um, that's got a tachymeter bezel and it's, and it's on a rally leather strap. And it's, uh, you know, it's very Speedmaster-esque uh, with the date. And I did, I did the same thing. I got it. I got it. I got it home and I was like, okay, this is cool. And, you know, like wore it straight for probably like a couple weeks. No, uh, no, maybe less. It was maybe like a week and changed the strap on it, did some other stuff. And then the fact that it's, um, it has instead of, so it's a chronograph, but instead of having uh, the 12 hour markers on it, it has 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and then the triangle at the top. Oh, right. And the fact that it just, I, and now I'm like drawn to Arabic in 12 and not the minute markers. Yes. Yeah. Because I want to know what time it is and not how many minutes have been by. Cause I can just look like minutes are easy for me, but like hours are hard <laughs> as far as like looking at a watch quickly and being like, what time is it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the visibility. And then it just became this thing where I was like, I'm staring at these numbers and I'm like, and then missed a meeting or something because i was just staring at these numbers and i and i just looked quickly and i thought like oh it's five o'clock or whatever and i was like no it's it's 9 30 or something you know what i mean like it was just some some weird where just like the numbers didn't equate in my head yeah and then i was like oh i've got i was like oh i'm done i'm done with this oh i can't i can't have it anymore <laughs> i am disappointed <laughs> oh no that's so. yeah that's bad um my next one, I mean, this happened very recently, didn't it? And you, you were a part, you were helpful on this one. That flipping Squally 50 Atmos. I mean, I was obsessing about that watch, that blue, you were, yeah. that blue dial and everything. It had everything I wanted. It had the history. It was a dive mm-hmm. watch. The case looked awesome. But when it arrived, I was just like, oh no. And I should have, I should have packed it straight up. I should have just packed it up. Right, right. I think that's, you know, that's the lesson that the takeaway here is like, if you, if you open the box and you're like, huh? And you have that like inkling now, I'm, yeah, I think on the third one, like this happens three times, like on the third one, I'm going to be like, nope. Yes. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to maybe, maybe pull it out. Don't pull any of the plastic off. Have a look at it. Contemplate your life choices <laughs> and then send that thing back and hopefully not get dinged for the uh, restock. restock. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing to be careful of, isn't it? The, and, yeah. and I did fully unwrap the watch. I mean, I was all right. in testing it out. I sent it around to, to your house, didn't I, so that you yeah, could try yeah. it out. Because I, I was interested too. I, I mean, I love the dial on it and I was, and it was very interesting because you immediately were like, no, nope, it's something's wrong. You're like, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. And so you just kind of immediately get that feeling, and it's like, oh well, no. Well, the proportions were all off. They, if, for me, uh, it was it was uncomfortable to wear, and I very rarely ever had an uncomfortable to wear watch. I took a hit on that. I had to sell it on eBay in the end because I'd taken all oh, the really? plastic off and I'd voided the oh, that's right. the return warranty. That's right. Yeah, and they weren't gonna and they weren't gonna take it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. There's another lesson for you guys. You know, like just you know, just don't take any of that plastic off because the second you start peeling that plastic off, you own that. Even if you're super careful pulling it off a bracelet, 
I mean, I'm petrified. Like if I if I pull a watch off a bracelet that I either don't own or that I think I might return, like oof, like <laughs> it's like any any little scratch there, you're done. Oh, exactly, and it's difficult as well, isn't it? Because some watches do look miles better on their on another strap. Like my little Citizen's never it was on its titanium bracelet when I first opened it, and it's never been mm-hmm. on a never been on that bracelet again. It's the most pristine bracelet I've got. Right? Yeah, yeah. Some watches, yeah. Uh, so my next one uh was one i think i mentioned on the channel but but it was my uh, i picked up a notice a contrail with the stainless steel 12 hour bezel in blue was that that super uh uh sunburst blue um and it's uh it looks really good it was a purchase to kind of celebrate the you know the the end of something and uh i was like okay this is good you know it's kind of like i I thought like i could connect you know with that okay all right same thing with the citizen right away i sized i sized the bracelet and i was like yeah i don't know what's up with this bracelet but i i can't do it (laughs) so it was off the bracelet and so then it was onto a series of i i had it on a, a couple silicone straps because it's it's kind of a you know it's kind of a diver sort of style you know with the bezel and, yeah. and whatnot it's it's a kind of a crossover you would think like on paper uh rotating 12 hour bezel can dive with it screw down crown uh great miota movement uh sapphire of course like it, it check 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 yeah, check yeah but for some reason the case proportions and the stainless steel bezel i thought i would sort of fall in love with but i just it was hard to see and i i just I, it makes the dial look uh different different size and this is just my this is me like don't if you guys have one it's of these so individual it, isn't it? Yeah, do not listen right right this is just this is just our individual gripes of our own yeah our own issues with uh with things so i had worn it i had i had it uh it was featured on uh, my instagram for a good couple of weeks and then i just was like i'm, d- I'm kind of done i'm kind of done with it and so i did the same thing uh luckily though uh the blue had sold out i kind of i kind of lucked out on this so the blue because they're a microband the blue dial had had all sold out on their website and so then i went on ebay and was like well if you missed it you can get one so i i i probably only maybe 10 percent on that maybe Maybe five ten percent on that wasn't too bad, but I did the same with the Laurier. Actually, yeah. I liked it, but I didn't love it, and I just stuck it on eBay just to see what would happen. And I managed to make my money back on it, minus the eBay fees. That was a thing where I loved the design of it, but mm-hmm. the acrylic crystal. I knew it was going to start annoying me. I just, I just knew right. it, which was bizarre because yeah. my speedy had an acrylic on it. But yeah, that you, that you, you know, bashed around for how many years without sort of being a watch, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, watchware. Been a really interesting subject, you guys. Um, if you're not members of the Facebook group, you'll have to head on over there and let us know if there's any watches that you bought straight away and and not like them. They, yeah, I just thought, no, it's not, it's not going to click. And it's and it's also interesting on the flip side of that. I'll 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 pull this positive here. I've had fantastic honeymoon, and not only honeymoon period, but I've had fantastic um, rediscovery of some of the watches that I've owned. That I've been like, man, this is so freaking good. 
where you have something that maybe sat in the watch box for you know four or five months or whatever while you were while you were enamored with your current you know every day or you just had your every day on and then you you weren't like you weren't focused on like what was in the watch box and then you go in and you're like ah and I had uh, so when the pandemic started I put the 103 on a gray NATO. And it just, it was like all over again. It was so <laughs> good. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, this squatch looks so good. I'm just like a regular, like green NATO, gray NATO, whatever. Just like a regular NATO strap. I was like, oh, it looks so good. And it's just like a couple of pictures on Instagram. I was like, yeah, shit, that does look good. And you're like, yeah. I'm like that with that turtle, <laughs> that ultimate turtle. That'll never right. leave the collection. I love that watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, you, yeah, you'll like forget about it. And then a few uh, weeks or months later, you're just like, oh, this watch is so good. So I enjoy that. And I think that, if, you know, whether you have three, five, 20, 120, whatever, how many watches in your collection, as long as I feel like as long as you get that and you can go back in and, and pop something on your wrist and, and get that same sort of feeling like, oh, this is just a great watch, um, then I think it's all. And I think the hunt is worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great topic. Let us know over on the Facebook group. A- any final words on that, Chris? Or should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. As always, guys, we really appreciate you watching. Uh, As mentioned, join us over on the Facebook group. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting apps. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.